What's up, guys? It's Stu. It is another episode of the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast. And you know the hardest thing about owning your own business? It's being at the top. It's not having anyone above you or laterally next to you to bounce ideas off of and problem solve with. Sure, you might get together with another micro gym owner in town or discuss with another owner in a Facebook group or an online forum, but the advice is generally, you know, general. It's not geared towards your business. You might even have a coach or an employee who's pretty smart, but when you guys talk about it, it's more just commiserating. There's not an advanced strategy there because that person hasn't been there and done it before. Guys, you can get on a call with me once a month for 30 minutes or 60 minutes. You can have full access to MicroGym University, and you can get set up on Workplace, which is an amazing app that I use as a bat phone so that you can call, text, video message, or audio message me throughout the month anytime a fire pops up in your business and you need my help with it. You want to work with somebody who is going to help you create strategies and execution plans because problems will come up in your business, and they're not things that you have to go at alone. If that's something that's interesting to you guys, please let me know. I closed off my book of clients when 2020 hit, and we are reopening here in 2021. I only work with 40 gyms per month. I utilize zero contracts. It is month to month, cancel at any time. If you are interested in working together and getting on a monthly call, then you need to shoot me a DM. We'll set up an initial business development call and find something that's going to work for you and your business to problem solve. Hell, we might get on one call and that's it. We never talk again. We might get on three calls and you, hey, my problem's fixed, dude. Thanks so much. I'm going to continue on. Good for you. Or it might be something where you want someone to work with and co-create solutions and plans for on a recurring basis. It's 100% up to you guys. I only work with 40 of you per month. This will fill up quick. So if you are interested, shoot me a DM at WTF Gym Talk on Instagram, and I'd love to talk with you more. Guys, enjoy the podcast and have a great fucking day. What is up, guys? It is Stu, and it is another episode of the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast. So, um, and I'm just pitching this right off my phone. I couldn't find my good mic, and I'm waiting for my kids' school to let out, but I, I got to talk about this. When we talk about client experience in the micro gym industry, we're not referring to individual clients. Okay, one more time. When we refer to client experience, whether we're creating one, improving one, or even evaluating one from a competitor, we're not talking about the experience of a singular client or two clients or four clients who have four different unique pieces of feedback. We are talking about a collective client experience, and I'm going to explain why I'm deviating where I'm going with this. Far too often, I get on a call with someone who is uh, booked a call to discuss ways to improve their micro gym, make more money, do whatever, whatever it may be. We very often get to a part of talking about client experience. And the, generally what I end up hearing is a client experience has been dictated by a very small sum of members, maybe a, a small group that are currently there, Maybe ones that have kind of trickled through the business over time. They came in, they had influence, you made decisions based on their wants, and they kind of moved on and out. But you always just kind of kept it. You guys have to realize, we are, because we don't, it's not that we don't care. 
but we cannot place the emphasis on individuals' request and the small, loud minority's request because the financial model doesn't allow for it. Okay, one more time. The financial model that you have already subscribed to, you don't even get to argue with me on this. You've subscribed to a financial model that doesn't allow you to make adjustments and changes based on the desires of a minority. And a minority could be 1%, it could be 10%, it could be 3%, it could be fucking 13%. That's the minority. The reason being, if you had clients, in the, the clients that were each paying you $1,000 a month, that's different. Yes, clients paying you $1,000 a month, you won't have as many of them, and you will listen to the needs of them individually more at that level. You are running an all-you-can-eat buffet. You offer this, you have a location that has a certain amount of fitness, and based on what ticket they buy, they get X amount of fitness. With that business model, you have to be thinking of the whole. You cannot hear feedback from four clients one week and make a decision. And then later on down the road, hear feedback from 10 clients and then come to a new conclusion and make another decision. Client experience needs to be done slowly. Too often, like, okay, here's a great one. A gym owner on a similar phone call says, hey, I'm thinking of adding uh, two additional class times. I'm like, okay, cool, talk to me about that. Well, our 6 p.m. class has been selling out, okay? So we, we've had three weeks of where it's sold out and we've had a bunch of members complain, I'm thinking of adding a class time. Like, okay, well, what are you gonna do? So it's 6 p.m., you're gonna, what, we got in a four, you already have a seven, so like, what, what else are we to do here? Well, I'm thinking of moving, and so essentially, long story short, he's thinking of changing the entire evening schedule to um, half hours and going 45 minutes, and essentially making a significant client experience change. Class schedule will change, you know, give or take by 20 to 30 minutes start times. He'll be able to fit in additional classes, and, and I'm not telling him it's a bad idea, but number one, your data set isn't big enough. You sold out a class three weeks in a row, whoopity fucking, like, I'm very pumped about that. Like, that's a great metric for this individual. It doesn't mean dick yet. Like, that's a flash in the pan. Let's see if it lasts. Okay, generally for schedule changes, I want to see a consistent sold out four to six weeks before it's even a discuss, like, before it's even an item in one of my meetings. Second, you have got to realize that the, you know, the three members that can't attend that class and are making a big fucking deal, there are things they could do. They could register earlier. They could and will adjust their schedule. When you bottleneck clients via classes, which is what we all have to do, like even, even a robust schedule, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, if a client can't make 6 and 7 is too late, they are bottlenecked, but they will make a decision. They will either leave work earlier or get their shit done earlier, or they will take a later class. Rarely do they cancel. Like most clients will, when bottlenecked in the timing of their opportunities to whatever, they will abide. Like here, here, here's a great example. You have a restaurant or bar you love to go to. However, on Saturdays during college football season, it gets busy as shit. So you get there at 10.30 a.m. to watch a noon game. You don't want to be there at 10.30 a.m. You'd love to walk in at 11.45, but you're bottlenecked because that's when they're busy and you adjust your schedule based on that. If that's what, you know, or you're like, well, they might go somewhere else to do. 
Yes, they might. But if it's truly where they want to be, they will adjust their schedule. And for food and beverage, it's a different scenario. For boutique fitness, we have a much longer grab on these people. It's much more tribal than a fucking bar. So it's not the best example, but you get where my head's at. So you got to realize you're going to bottleneck these people and they will just make a different decision. But be very wary if you're going to make a client experience change based on, you know, a, 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 you know, after the end of a month, 12 people at the end of a month having to be waitlisted and couldn't get in. Yeah, well, stupid, they're paying and they can't get in. Well, if they're paying and they can't get in, then you have a couple options as the business owner, right? You can do some things to the schedule, try to bleed them. You can look at your floor layout and the type of fitness you deliver. Could you increase operational capacity? But guys, the whole point of this without going down that operational capacity rabbit hole that most of you guys know I love to go down is for you to understand when you are creating client experiences, you have to focus on the many, not the few. And where I really come into this is when I talk to great operators, like really good entrepreneurs in this space, they truly put the customer first, but they don't allow small percentage-based anecdotal instances and moments to direct the business. And I feel that's where a lot of us go to when we're still very immature in the business and we've allowed it to take more of an emotional hold of ourselves and our decision-making than a logical, rational, business-minded one. Because remember, you are now responsible for the client experience of many. And here's one thing about client experience. I don't care who it is and how good it is. It's not great for everyone. It's just not. It's impossible to make a client experience that everyone fucking loves. But if you want to start chasing these imaginary, you know, you know, you know, these ghosts of, you know, client experience, then every time a small, loud minority gives you feedback on your new class time or the new programming or the new coach or the new logo or the whatever the fuck it may be, and you change it based on that, and now you've changed the client experience, you're that's you're playing whack-a-mole. You're never gonna satisfy those individuals. And and I guess ultimately where I want you guys to kind of come away with this, if I was to give you some action steps, let's say I was talking to you guys on you know, a, a business development call of mine, and I wanted to leave you with something action-wise. Here's what I'd tell you. When you go to analyze creating new or changing existing client experiences, get your leadership team together, right? The key staff members on your team that are influential in your decision-making that you run by your decisions with and talk about, okay, guys, here's the perceived problem, all right? Perceived, the key word. Ask everyone, is this truly a problem? And no matter what they say, yes or no, what evidence do you have? And what you might find when you kind of zoom out from it, the evidence that's combined is very, very minimal. Or you might find that there's actually a really strong case. Like there are many individuals, and this has occurred over a very long period of time, and there is a consistent theme with you know, feedback from a significant portion of your membership base. And you guys can start having the discussion. So what is the perceived problem? And what evidence do we have to support it? Assuming that there is evidence to support the need for a client experience change or creation or upgrade or whatever it may be, then how do we go about doing so in a way that is going to solve the problem and not create a disruption for the other 
people in that client experience. Class schedule changes, programming changes, these are all very difficult things. I had someone ask me one time, hey man, can you make a podcast? I always get this, like I'm a fucking vending machine. Can you make a podcast on how to uh, change the programming without pissing off members? Yeah, that's a loaded question. I've got about 15 follow-up questions for you, just you know, 15 easy ones that I would need to know before we will give that information. But for you guys, when you're sitting down with your leadership team, you have to be thinking, okay, this client experience change modification or a creation of a new client experience is warranted. Now, how do we execute on it in a way that will not upset others? Well, first, what is the thing that's going to upset those other members? Let's write that down. Now, what are ways that we can go about either softening that blow, justifying it, or getting them to change their own minds? I talk about all the time, you know, uh, and I might have mentioned it earlier in this podcast because I've had to cut this thing to two separate recordings, as you're probably able to tell from the audio uh, samplings. But I, when I was uh, doing things with Urban, I would, you know, okay, guys, we're not dropping barbells from overhead. If I would have just said that on day one, fuck, I would have got my just, I would have gotten ripped apart. That would have been a client experience change that actually nobody asked for. I just, I wanted. And, but I know I dripped it out. Hey, we're starting with a grip intensive strengthening cycle. Hey, we're focusing on eccentric lowering from overhead. Hey, we're doing hand release everything from the floor, deadlifts, power cleat. Like I slowly drip this out over time to the point where literally clients are like, oh, well, yeah, this is great. I actually feel a lot stronger. Or stop using the rig for five months. People are like, you know what? We're not using that. You should probably get rid of it. Like it's it's kind of taking up space. So when you are going to make these client experience changes, please realize that number one, you're not gonna make everyone happy. And number two, you have to overanalyze it because those of you that don't, and you just you know, oh, it'll be fine. Let's just go with it. Make the change. We'll start it. We'll start, you know, we'll kind of change it this week and we'll go all in next week you're bound to have some upset customers. And also in my opinion, I think it just shows your staff and anyone who's really in tune with your service that you don't truly understand what it's about to be, to be all about the customer. Being all about the customer isn't meaning the customer is always right. It's not about giving in to every whim. It means that you are very careful and you craft what you do so that the customers understand where you're coming from, why you're doing it, and then they can make the decision on their own whether this is still a service they wish to pay for. But you can't allow that potential of them walking away from your service to scare you into not taking action that after you've had this meeting with your leadership team, you've deemed it's a problem and you've come up with a way of executing on it. But then in the 25th hour, you don't pull the trigger because you're afraid of the nine emails you might get from Sally, who's been there since the start and helped you paint the walls and has gone to your birthday party six times. Like that can't be, that cannot be a thought in your head at all. You have a responsibility. So guys, thank you so much uh, and for dealing with this spliced up audio. Uh, and if you have questions on this, right, you have a client experience problem you want to discuss. You're not sure how to execute on it without pissing people off. Please shoot me a DM on Instagram at WTF gym talk. We can get on a call. I'd love to learn more about it and see if I could help you out guys have a great fucking day.